Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to the latest chapter of Ars Magica, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links are down below, and please like, comment, and subscribe like any good minion of the algorithm would do. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 75 It was a bit right when I began to open my eyes. I know I had only been gone for a moment. But even then, it seemed like my eyes had somehow adjusted within the perceptual dissonance which occurred within his meditations. However, I did not have the time to try and pass through the light. I could only already feel the sting of the wind against my flesh once again, digging in deeper and deeper as time went on. So I used introspective. I know that this wouldn't be enough in the long run, but it did not matter. I no longer had to keep pushing my mana regeneration into my aura. Now, I could be added towards my body's energy, and I could feel it, escaping the broadness of my mind towards my body, finding channels that I couldn't tell existed within my physical form. I now knew that they were there, and the minuscule amount of energy filling them was enough for me to get back on my legs. It would only be an extra 2 AP, but... It would be enough for what I would be trying to do. I never really had hope for the energy usage besides letting me stand back up on my feet. I tried to focus on something, anything, that I could do with the emboldened generation. A brief thought goes through my head regarding my mana siphon before I shake it completely from my head. While the attacks are being made by mana, they aren't being sustained by it. I wouldn't have felt something if they'd hit me besides the cutting sensations. However, my mind does make a connection in the moment, something that I had not yet thought about, that being the trio associated with my manner. Why wouldn't there be something like that in my body? So, I stand there and take a hold of the energy that is filling up my veins as I continue to be pelted by the wind on all sides. I take a hold of the energy that fills my veins as soon as the mana passes through an almost imperceptible barrier, I begin to tighten my veins. For finding out how to control your actions intuitively, and for discovering how to embolden them without being told how to, you've earned plus one strength, plus one constitution, and the ability Action Constriction. Action Constriction, level one. Subset Action Manipulation. Cost one mana per tier. Actions are the lifeblood of the body, and thus are subject to the body's whims and dimensions. However, they are still prone towards the user's inherent whims, and thus can be hastened or slowed, much like the inherent nature of the body's natural expansion and contraction of blood vessels. This is the definitive skill to have for those delving into the power of the body, so most of them go on to trying to receive this technique, the skill allows either higher amounts of action regeneration or higher amounts of total action, depending on whether or not you are hastening or slowing your actions throughout your body, respectively, at a rate of the skills level per point of regeneration or 100 AP. Note, subsect of action manipulation will not take experience, only upgrades when doing the right actions is required for it. Ha! <laughs> ha! I did it! It works the same way, well, no, not the same way, but I knew that having all the AP was just a joke. There's basically no skills that ever need that much AP to use, unless you're performing something tirelessly. However, even with the level of conscripting that I have going on right now, it's only basically giving me a greater amount of AP regeneration of about one. But 
I'm getting better as time goes on. The only downside that I can immediately see is that I have total less AP to work with too, as it went down by 100. I can definitely see how this will help in the long run, as I could get upwards of an extra 49 points of AP regeneration right now. Thankfully, doing this enough is to move my arms. Only downside that I can see is that it takes my MP to do so at the same rate. Wait. If my mana compression works multiplicatively, while my action constriction works additively, crap, this is not infinitely sustainable whatsoever. I was hoping that I could be an infinitely regenerative piece of crap with only 100 in each category. But I can see that it's not going to happen. Not unless I can get a crap ton more AP. Plus, I'm a bit concerned about my rewards from the system. I understood at least somewhat last time that my charisma didn't get any points when I was able to manipulate my mana better. But why isn't my dexterity... Wait. Are they connected in some way? No. Stop. You need to focus right now. You can think about the implications of the scrap later. The influx of energy might be helping you feel less tired and overall somewhat better. But you are still being peppered by those golems. Your HP is still going down slowly and steadily. Sure. You may have about 400 HP right now, and it's not as bad as it was before when it was dropping by the hundreds, but it's still decreasing faster than you are regenerating, if only barely. Yeah, 390 right now, and that was only about 5 seconds. 8 golems are doing about 45 damage a second, so to get back to the stability of around 0, I'd have to get rid of 2, maybe 3 if I want to start regenerating health back. Then I'd at least be able to sit down and stop moving for a while, even if they're hitting me. However, it would be best to take care of them anyway, even if I was no longer in danger. Wouldn't want them heading through the... Oh, they've, uh... They've been getting closer. All this time, uh... Crap, okay. I can't use speed right now. I mean, I could if I waited a little bit. But isn't them getting closer what I want? Just play dead. Yeah, this is perfect. I can last about 3 minutes and 15 seconds, getting less by the second. The question is, with their rate of encircling, will I be able to catch one of them getting too close before I fully die with this tactic? Alright, we're doing it. As I gasp, putting my hand to my heart, faking my injuries, finally being too much for me. As I fall over for a second, I don't believe it's working. Even with my eyes closed, the aura of magic surrounding the golems within my view still suggests their fall well enough. However, with my fall, they're all just stood still, continuing to pelt me. However, I can tell that something is going on. After the first few seconds where I don't react, they're getting closer. However, they've all stopped firing. Wait, I don't think I look my natural regeneration into account at all. Won't they just see that I'm healing? Maybe I can put it off some... Dregs of regeneration takes effect. Effect 10 times regeneration for 30 seconds. Well, uh, that's definitely not good timing. Yeah, any chance I had for this has gone away entirely, as they certainly noticed my enhanced healing weight. They can't harm me anymore with either of the attacks, can they? <laughs> Looks like this has become a fair bit easier for at least the next 30 seconds. I push off the ground, grabbing the fallen shield next to me, with my AP regeneration outpacing my MP regeneration entirely. Hell, since I'm putting my extra MP regeneration into AP, and it's getting multiplied again, yeah. I think this is going to be easy now, with my increased AP total. Hell, I'm already half full. Now, we just cancel AP regeneration and... Uh, alrighty, my MP is back up. 
I bring my arms up in front of my boxer stance, or at least I think so. Haven't exactly boxed before. However, the stance does get the point across towards the golems. I'm back, and I'm ready to rumble. I activate speed, no longer caring about using a single uses, but leave it on on a continuous blast. The energy from the potion no longer seems to suffuse my entire being, as I can feel it distinctly pulling itself within my legs. And with a quick recast of decaying touch, as well as my aura of pressure, I rush back into the fray, renewed of all that I had lost, or at least nearly. I'm still at half MP, and my casting has left me with almost no MP regeneration. I have to solve this within 30 seconds that I've been given, or at least kill three golems, otherwise I'd be in the same situation as before. And it's already been 10 seconds. I rush, acting as fast as I can to head towards the closer golem. None are bunched up, so with a quick punch I strike out towards the core outline with my aura. Two seconds have only passed, but the ticking of the timer weighs heavy upon me, like a guillotine. However, when I bring my head back towards the others, I notice something that has stilled me almost entirely. Their screaming, which has been under the noise of the entire fight, has stopped entirely, and all of them are staring at me, having stopped attacking. It was only for a moment, but in that moment, I did not engage further, and I can immediately tell that that is a mistake. Within the span of an instant, I can see that their attention pulled towards the fastest column from me and the cause that I can feel at the edge of my aura move, I rush towards the closest one. But I'm too late. Something unprecedented has occurred. Their cause moved outside of their bodies, the wind dissipating instantly once they've been shoved aside. For a second, I believe that I may have made them commit suicide, but the lack of level up of any kind dissuades me from that notion. I only just managed to grab onto one of the cores closest to me and squeezing it apart, utterly destroying it. However, it is not enough. I can see the cores actively leaving the bodies of the golems outside of my aura, and they're all heading in one direction, the golem that is furthest away. I begin to sprint towards it, hell-bent on some kind of damage towards it. However, the cores move faster than I can. Once they're free from the confines of the form which held them, so once I actually reach the final golem, the apparent leader of them all, the last core sinks below the surface and my fist is stopped at the edges of the wind, much like the punching solid stone. A resonating boom lets out, its form rippling between the airy state it's in, and the liquid aura it's trying to make subsume into. For a second, nothing happens, and a sense of dread pushes itself into my very being, and then it looks straight at me, grabs me by the head, and screams, Vekarashan Utava! It shouts and reverberates my skull, surprise filling my features as it speaks a language for the first time. I can actively see my recovered 1,214 HP delve down towards double digits from its attack. And in that instant of pain, my auras let me know one important thing. The calls have combined together, and with a flash of magic in my sight, it's like there never was any others, its size eclipsing its previous one tenfold. And by its gleeful smile, I can tell that it's got a massive boost. It brings its vest back and punches me. I bring up my shield to stop it, but the pure force of it shatters the shield in an instant, scattering its contents upon the ground away from my vision and putting shards of wood into my body, along with the rest of the fist's momentum. Of course, it hurts, but no more than what it did before. 
However, due to my weakened state, I believe that it thinks it's doing something far more important. So, it keeps punching in my head, for it slowly grows to accommodate the increase of power from its cause. I look towards the time I have left with the dazed eyes. Ten seconds. I have to make it count. Briefly, I recall all that I can do. An introspective saves my ass yet again with its wording. I cut off my aura and my touch skills, and I start suffusing my body with new energy from my mana. It's slowly being transferred to AP. However, before the process starts, I do something rather ingenious. I color my mana for the affinity. Decay. And like a flip of a switch, my body turns gray, becoming the very poison it sought to avoid from my hands. No longer can it avoid it with any kind of mana resistance or clever positioning of all the from before. Now, my body is the poison, and it's currently towering over me, bringing its massive fist to bear against my form. I have no idea whether or not this will harm me further than I already am, but I have five seconds to make use of it. So, with as much reaction time as I can bring to bear, I bring my hands up and catch the fist heading towards my torso. The force of it nearly pushes me into the ground, as I need both hands to keep it from caving in my chest. And, much like I alluded to before, my body has become poison. The giant golem's fist starts collapsing as soon as I push myself into it. I can tell it doesn't expect that, as a wordless scream starts to build. However, that ends as soon as I touched its haunched over throat and face. It starts crawling itself, trying to get rid of itself of its corruption, but soon enough its head has been entirely destroyed, leaving behind a regular sound of the wind. It's one remaining arm starting to claw itself rapidly, trying to get rid of the decay and corruption in its form. It's not enough, and pretty soon I can hear the clunk of the giant claw hitting the floor, bouncing slightly upon the grass, before rolling to a stop. I immediately stop supplying my body with decay, only now noticing the harm it has performed upon my body. I'm at 5 HP. However, even with no longer any kind of lasting damage being put upon my form, it would not do to have me be so unvigilant. Before I do anything else, I critical eye the area around me, trying to pick out any various objects around me, partially hidden by the grass, as well as the core that may come alive yet again. Item. Suffused Golem Core Inert. Quality. Cobbled Masterwork. Rare. Effect. Suffuse an affinity to create a golem of its same type. Item. Ring of Evasion. Quality. Excellent. Uncommon. Effect. Plus two dodge. Plus two dex. Item. Scroll of Scorched Earth. Quality. Masterwork. Rare. Effect. Gain Scorched Earth Spell. Item. Belt of Assuredness. Quality. Excellent. Epic. Effect. Plus five strength. Plus five con. Plus five footing. Plus five... As the words registered in my mind, I can't help myself. <laughs> I let out laughter, the stress of the situation leaving with it, before a tiredness sets into my bones. The chest slips from my grass, breaking apart as it hits the grass and letting its contents spill out onto the floor. But I could hardly care. I breathe in deeply and then let out slowly, loving the feeling of my flesh repairing itself. I'd done it. Finally, I don't know how long it took, but at this point I don't care. I fall onto my back, the action causing air to be let out of my lungs due to the impact. I look up at the sky, the eye of dissipating storm giving way to the blackened night sky, devoid of moons, but assuredly filled with stars in comparison. I... I'm utterly tired, I think, uh, 
I think I can just take a nap. Right? Yeah, the whole team will be fine. The info said that this dungeon was young, so the next floor would probably be a rest area or haphazardly put together puzzle. I don't think that they would need me too much. I'm just, yeah, closing my eyes, stilling my breath. Uh, just relax. End of story. Chapter 76 There are times when things don't go exactly work out the way people expect them to. These can range from attending a wizard college only to flunk out because one can never get too far along the class evaluations, to putting money towards a burgeoning baker who has a special way of making their sourdough, only to have them die in an oven fire. History is filled with these instances where either luck or tragedy or free will have caused so many developing legends and collective goodwill to fall to the wayside. There are a few times, though, when the right co-currents, the right people, and the right skills can come together to make something truly magical. Thus was the case for an old lighthouse keeper, a Miss Rue Evand. She wasn't exactly prepared for the role that she was playing that night, but when is anyone when their grand wheel is putting their attention upon you? She hadn't really been expecting anyone to come that night. In fact, She'd only been expecting someone to come the day before, as Murday was the only time where anyone could actually see the beach path towards her home, even if it was halfway drowned by the tide. At least, it was too dark on any other day for those that weren't Dwem. In fact, she'd be very surprised if the lighthouse keepers weren't Dwem whatsoever, given the fact that they were made to operate in the night. Sure, the light they provided often blinded them whenever they were in the same room, but for those times when the light would go out, they would be able to help any passers-by out on the open ocean. She surmised once upon a time that only poor, more specious countries wouldn't have access towards Dwem lighthouse keepers. In a sense, her theories were right in that regard. However, when affinities are introduced, those thoughts would tend to fall to the wayside. As it was for the bide, she could see heading up the stairs outside her window. For a second, she simply thought that it was a trick of the night, as is wont to her work. However, she was rattled from the jigsaw puzzle from the knock upon her door. What's that? she exclaimed. She set down her puzzle carefully upon the table as she got up off of her stool. She idly scratched the back as she headed down the spiral stairs leading along the outside of her tower. She passed her gardening room, lit up by natural sunlight from the crystals that she had bought decades ago, as well as her tiny library, a portion of the world's literature hiding away in darkness. Before she made it down onto the first floor, her kitchen and storage space, and there, through the glass, she could see the dark figure pressing itself against it. Who's there? Her voice let out. However, nothing came in response. Hesitantly, she put her claw to the doorknob and pulled it open. As soon as she did, the entire weight of the thing fell down towards her. Quickly, she stepped out of the way, only to see the thing fall upon the floor. And indeed, once the womp of its descent had finished, she could finally tell what stumped her upon her door that night. It was a bide of natural darkness, one whose pores and skin had all the light, and whose only features are definitively outlined in the reflecting light leaving only outlines upon their form. 
This one, however, managed to somehow highlight their hair in a faint blue alluring themselves to be further identifiable. Its legs, while not mangled, were certainly bent in a way unfamiliar to her, ending in a flat paddle rather than her clawed toes, while its fingers ended not in claws, but in webs. For their fingers were stuck together, much like how her arms were attached to her wings. However, despite her cursory glance towards the person lying upon the floor, because what else could it be with all the leather clothes and donned its person, she didn't actually know what species could possibly be. It's not like she didn't know the various races throughout her republic, but the name on this one escaped her thoughts. After a while, she finally noticed that it was actively bleeding on the hardwood floor. Drat! I just waxed that too! All right then, up you get! Her exclamation, she lightly tapped on the thing with a foot. However, besides a brief moan, nothing else happened. She sighed as she bent over to pick up the person. She did not have much in the way of strength, both due to her race and her class, but she had enough endurance to keep tries at constant pace, and, eventually, she managed to get the person into the chair by the dining room table. However, by the time that happened, she realized something very important. Whatever it was, it was awake. Ah, sorry about three minutes. Wouldn't have done if you'd wakened to begin with. The thing's piercing amber eyes focused on her before focusing towards the window next to them. Where? What? You're a bit groggy still. Now I'm good at the healing arts, so you'll have to just deal with the old-fashioned poultice, yeah? The wincing nod returned at her words. Perfect. All right, Jeff, payback and a jiff. She scurried off upstairs at a somewhat speedy pace. While her race did nothing for her speed, her class necessitated it. Even if she hadn't get much in the way of its usage, she made it to the fifth floor her bathroom, and found all the necessary alcohol and bandages before making it back downstairs. But I say, now hold still. This will definitely sting. And with that, she unpopped the cleaning solution before pouring it all along the Christ's cross wounds across its chest. It hissed in pain, but made no other notion of violence towards the bat. Sorry about your clothes. Look nicer. Bright side, though, it's that it's definitely cleaner blood. It sighed a little bit as the pain subsided, and she bandaged him. She noticed that he was staring out the window. Not much to look at out there sights the ocean. In the sea cave, thus, basically all you can see sights the rock here. Her comment brought the person out of their thoughts, and finally she managed to hear what the thing actually sounded like. What is that out there? And his apparent prodding, she looked out the window, and there, just like it had been every day since, was the very localized storm striking lightning down a steadily growing whirlpool. Of course, it wasn't too big, in the sense that it couldn't cover the horizon. However, with how far it was away from the mainland, it was a wonder that it could reach this far. Don't rightly know. Navy's been out in me for disregarded for weeks. It's only been growing since. She spoke as she finished bandaging his chest up. A monster, the man wheezed. The keeper stroked her chin in thought before an assurance came Biden to her mouth. Methinks so, yes, unless Hypatia was born under the sea. The man looked to be in thought as they gazed out of the window. It was only when the bat finished looking him over to see the man had any other words. He did he speak again. Thank you. Paul? The woman asked confusedly, taking me in. Didn't think that you'd want to, given my current state. 
At that, she chuckled a bit before replying, No worries about that, hun. Now, uh, what tea you like? She stood up away from the table and headed towards the cabinet along the opposite side of the room. You have Androx? The man questioned. I'll see about that. She pushed aside various containers before finding a familiar red league. We do, she answered, as she took the container towards the kitchen counter. I was wondering something. His ears twitched at her voice while she had readied the kettle under the burner. Yeah, what caused you to be all banged up anyhow? He flinched at her words. A poison taking its toll and a maddened monster. His eyebrows narrowed as he spoke, portraying the troubled expression he wished to show. Slains the blood on ya. Would be right scared if that just a poison did that to ya. She quipped. However, when she would next speak, a sharp whistle interrupted her thought. The tea was done. She walked over to the burner and, with a brief aha and a hiss from the steam, she poured two cups of tea and put them on top of saucers. Here you go, she said, as she walked over to the table. The man winced as he leaned forward over it, still recovering from his wounds. He took a sip. They scalded his tongue slightly. The pain did not so much as his already weakened state, but he felt it necessary to say something anyway. Thanks, he said, already feeding the recovery effects of the Hendrox seep into his veins. No worries, been a while since I had company over here anyways. The bat responded as she blew upon her cup to take a sip, before relaxing in a chair. However, the comfortable silence that developed would soon be disrupted again as Rue was reminded of something somewhat important. So what's your name, stranger? The shadow looked up, a little bit surprised at the continuing conversation. You... you haven't identified me, he responded, credulously. Seemed right rude just doing that, she replied, moving her hand in a circular wave. What was left unsaid, however, was the fact that her identifier had long since been improved to Eagle Eye to better facilitate her job. She was now better at identifying things at a reasonable distance, but she lost anything regarding closer identification. I could have been a monster wearing skin, you know, he despondently stated. Ah, old enough not worrying about that no more. Getting on in yet as I am. Meet the lady sometime soon, whether it's you or something else. Her eyes glistened as she remembered her husband. She hoped that she might see him soon, even if it was in the life or the next. However, the emotions she was letting out put her off for guess somewhat. That's, uh, rather grim. His words drove Rue away from her memories towards the present moment, her eyes focusing on the darkened individual. I'm a bit of a grim sort, she chuckled. A bit of a brief silence came and went as the shadow remembered the original question. The name's Bernelby. How long can I stay here? Mine's Rue Ander, I reckon for a couple days. Don't really have a boat to the cave to get you out on the water, so you can only rely on the land entrance further inwards. Confusion flew across the face of Bernerbly as he sipped his tea. Thank you. You don't know how long I've been running. Ah! The shadow realized he hadn't exactly said the last thing quite enough. He hectically searched through his thoughts and his mind to provide an explanation. As is everything, a half-truth would do for him. Nothing, just uh, the item I had. Was it a transporter? He started at her words, his own being temporarily stopped along his train of thought. He's lying forgotten along the kitchen table. One. A teleporter. You used one. 
At a clarification, he pondered about what it could mean. He didn't really ask about the device when he bought it. Well, more like borrowed it from its former employer. But semantics weren't things he was used to concerned about. He wondered on whether it malfunctioned somehow to bring him, whether here or was instead of the capital. However, the real issue he had with it was that it was a one-way singular use and singular operated as well. When his charge found out, well, the claw marks in his body weren't just for show, for how well he trained the monster. Yeah. Why? He supplied quite cautiously. Ha! It's been a while since I've seen one of those, append. Uh, you used it by the domain near the center of the continent, yeah? Yes. Well, uh, you're on the western edge. A bit godly influence brought you to me, I suppose. He started at her explanation. There was only one god he could think of that might have any interest in him. Although, he couldn't rightly tell what the god would want with him. There would surely be more deserving people that he could deal with. However, despite that, the most concerning part of the statement was the fact that it happened before with her. This happened often, he questioned. Only twice before. Second one actually knew me was talking about, being a priestly sort, explained much of it to me fairly well. I see, uh, he said. He didn't exactly understand it all, but the gist got through to him. So, what class here? Figured it's got to be something monster-related. A shiver rolled through him. Somehow, she either knew or figured out his class. However, it would do for him not to show. How so? Priestly Salt said it would be because it was godly influence acting on similar wavelengths of people. May not have right trusted him to begin with, but at least I can say not all priests of Merank are heathens, I suppose. As soon as the god's name left her lips, he realized that he could perhaps tell her some of the truth. Definitely. Not all of it, though. Merank. All right, uh, I'm a monster tamer. She quirked her brow at the admission. Tamer, not controller. He wondered exactly how much this old bat knew if she figured out the class of revolutions already. You know, quite a bit for an old bat. Light elves keepers tend to be hoarders of knowledge, dear boy. Only natural when isolation keeps you here. Hmm, he nodded. The information struck true. However, the class struck to the forefront of his mind. If he was inside of a lighthouse, he should be on the coast. Although, which coast was the question? Where are we specifically, then? Oh, we're just near the arbor of Gelinitus. It's by the border, between the uh, Victrona Empire and the public Estrad. How's about you? Where are you from? I steadily got up from his feet. The bat dropped her tea onto the table and began to get up with him. But a raised hand stopped his ascent. Slowly, he steadied himself. Glad that the tea was already working with his healing properties. He centered himself, trying to keep his lunch down before he answered a question. Erinid, he thought about where he was. He remembered that there was something important going on. But beyond the needs of his monsters and the goal to finally learn their languages, he didn't exactly keep track of much. Never heard of it. What's it near? The bat's words wrapped his brain around a new topic. He briefly brought geography into his mind before he sighed audibly. It was a well-known city that he could talk about, but he didn't want to talk about the place that abandoned his passions, his family, who discerned him. Jelen, the mount, oh, the merchant place, yeah, I heard of it. So, uh, you were in Gansong? Yeah, he nodded. Good, was worried there for a second. Her words struck a chord within his shadow man, and his brain finally provided an answer towards why those two countries were blaring in his mind earlier. 
Are the countries still at war? Yeah, mostly the sea nowadays, so I can see the ships duking it out, out there in most nights. She chuckled, a little bit after she provided an answer. As she too got off her seat and started to head upstairs. However, before she could take a first step, the voice of Barnaby stopped her. What's for dinner? Sorry, I already had it a while ago. I could get something fixed up for you in a jiff if you're real hungry. She was hoping to finish her puzzle before the night was over, but she figured that she might be able to put it off for an hour if he would join afterwards. As long as he said yes to asking, of course. Sure. When her back turned at his answer, he very briefly considered killing her. However brief that moment was, though, he was able to remind himself that he no longer had to. His employer was either dead or so far away that to be unable to invoke his contract effectively. And for that, he was thankful as he sat back down at the dining table. That was a moment when everything changed, when the monster tamer held himself back from instincts that had been drilled into him from his very soul, and held back the creatures that he kept in his pockets from killing the old woman. If anything else were to occur, he would simply fade it back into history, neither dying from his wounds in the deeper caverns below, or perhaps drowning at sea. Now, though, there is a chance for this one little relevant to make history. End of chapter. I just quickly want to thank the Tier 5 patrons and channel members. Alithia Barkey, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Albard and Gaster, Arcadian, Lord Azrakal, and Joachim Bakker.